So, so far we've covered, uh, we've been in the parable in Matthew 21 uh, about the two children, children versus mature sons. And the first major concept we've dealt with is that you're a child until you go to work. Is that true? And then we're starting to define what the work is. And the first aspect of work is to destroy the works of the devil. So it's important that we identify what is a work of the devil and make sure we don't confuse it with the work of God. Like you buy house insurance and you know to protect you from a tornado, they call it an act of God. They're confused. All right. <laughs> the work is to trust the nature of the one who sent us. We talked about that. That was in John 6. Trusting his nature, trusting his goodness. And then we talked about trusting in the potency of the seed we carry. Can you say amen to that? And so now let's, let's stay along that thought pattern and go to Acts chapter 5. I mentioned to you Peter, and I promised I would finish that, so we'll do that. In Acts chapter 5. Thank you, Father. All right, so we'll go for about an hour, and then we'll break for tonight, okay? So let's stay strong for an hour, and then we'll get some rest. Amen? But a certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it you have conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. It sounds just like what Jesus said to Judas, isn't it? Why has Satan filled your heart? Verse 5, As he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. And the young men arose and covered, covered him up, and carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval, about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. Now, did you catch that? God never told him to do that. This is what he's choosing to do, what Peter's choosing to do. And she said, yes, that was the price. And Peter said, why is it you've agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they shall carry you out as well. And she fell immediately at his feet. Breathed her last. The young men came in, found her dead. And they carried her out, buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard these things. And at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now this is interesting because we're going we're gonna to read on. I just wanted to make a comment for us to think about, pray about. If you look at this account and then you look at... Um, when Paul confronts the false prophet, remember him? And he says, you know, for three days you'll be blind. Remember that? 
Okay, so it's interesting because it never said at any time that God told them to do that, but they're operating in this power. Okay? So what I'm saying is, is that he does give us measure and liberty to operate it, and sometimes I think maybe it's not correct to say we want the book of Acts church, because Ephesians says we're to have the glorious church. Just something to think about. Well, we want to go back to the book of Acts. Well, I understand what we mean, but, you know, there's a lot of beginnings here. And so I really don't want people, you know, dropping like flies in my church. I hope you don't. Okay. Obviously, we want the Lord to bring life. So let's just kind of put that on the side, ask the Holy Spirit about that. I'm not going to spend a whole long time about that. I just thought it's interesting to think about. Verse 3. None of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number. Why were they constantly added? Because there was a church to add to. Not a treehouse, a church. Power was flowing, right? So they could add to that. God could add to it, rather. Now look at verse 15, because we, we're going to talk about emanating the presence of God. Emanating the presence of God. So this is all under trusting. It's like a sub subtitle, whatever. Are you with me? Verse 15, to such an extent that they carried... They even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together bringing people who were sick or afflicted with, all, with, with unclean spirits and they were all being healed. So Jesus healed all, the apostles healed all. Is that true? So this is what God wants us to do. This is what he's getting us ready for. So we're going to talk about how, how to emanate God's presence, how it happens. We've all touched dimensions of it. We've all had times when things like this have happened, but I believe God wants to bring us to a place where it becomes more and more consistent. Remember, power doesn't fluctuate, but we, we fluctuate. And there's basically a, two, a two-fold process of promotion. Because we want to be promoted. We want to grow up. Amen? The, fir- the first part is you have revelation. You see it in the Word. God shows you something in the Word by revelation. Right? We're talking about how to grow. Promotion. Promotion comes from the Lord. But who's determining the promotion? We determine the promotion. That's why it's the date set by the Father in Galatians 4. As long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a slave. So it's not, it's not like God is, he's not picking and choosing when miracles happen. It's not by, see most people think miracles are mistakes, like it, they just kind of happen. We're not sure when they're going to happen. No, there, there's a way we cooperate with God because he wants to do them. Of course he's sovereign. I don't, I'm not ever taking away from his sovereignty, okay? But what I'm saying is we're partners with him. Amen? So the twofold process of promotion is you, you see it in the Word, you get a revelation, and then you, you obey it. You obey the revelation. And then every time you do that, God gives you more. Amen? Okay, so to emanate means to flow out. That's what was happening with Peter. It wasn't the shadow. It's not like the miracle only worked in the daytime. The sun is shining, and then the shadow could only heal. 
right? He's emanating God's presence. Emanate means to flow out, to issue, or proceed from, as from a source. To issue out, to proceed, as from a source. To send forth, to emit. So God is living in us and he wants to emit from us. His spirit wants to be sent forth from us. He wants to proceed from us. We call it the proceeding word. There's a word that proceeds from heaven. Man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the word and the spirit are are one. Now, let's read some really interesting scriptures in Proverbs chapter 20. Praise the Lord. I mean, if nothing else, it's just awesome to think that this could even happen. Right? And it is going to happen. But the pathway, the way to see, a lot of people want to be in the stadium ministering to the multitude, right? You know, they want to be Benny on the stage. But the way you get there is by going door to door and, and ministering to people. You start in obscurity. You start doing these treasure hunts. You start just coming to this training. See, most people will come to get healed, but they won't come to be trained. Why? Because they're still babies. I mean, that's the bottom line. Do it for me. That's a baby. A baby is totally dependent. That's how a lot of Christians are. Right? I'm not trying to be mean, but that's that's a definition in the scripture. And then sometimes they're a little more mature. They're spiritual adolescents. So they've learned to do some things for themselves, but they're not really interested in helping others. But a mature son knows his father, has his needs met by his father, and is concerned about others. Amen? All right, emanating the presence. Look at, let's look at Proverbs 20, verse 27. After that, we're going to go to Matthew 6 and verse 22. So if you want to write down those scriptures, Matthew, or Proverbs 20, verse 27. And then immediately I'm going to go to Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Let's get these concepts in. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Now in Romans 8, it says that God bears witness with our spirit. God bears witness with our spirit. Our spirit is the lamp of the Lord. A light or a lamp emits light. Is that true? It sends forth light. It emits light. Light proceeds from the lamp. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Is that true? So that means that God is spirit and you are spirit. Right? So you don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. I have a phone. I understand we, we say we say that, but what you really mean is, I am the phone. This is the real me. This is my spirit. It's not like I brought you brought your spirit in with you like a dog on a leash. You have to get that because you have to realize you're, you, the real you 
is recreated in the image and likeness of Jesus. That's your recreated spirit. That's who you are. Now, of course, you're also your soul. You're also your body. Amen? But we are eternal. Is that true? So your spirit, your inner man will never die. Now, what did I say you are? Spirit. So when you say, I'm sick, it's really not true. Because the, the real you is your spirit. Your body is the house your spirit lives in. But God's concerned about the house because we're living in this house. Okay? The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. That's in Romans 8. And then in the Psalms it says, God will light my lamp, he'll enlighten my darkness. So keep the pattern. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. God bears witness with my spirit. And he will light my lamp, he will enlighten my darkness. That means all of God's activity takes place in your spirit. Or in you. You understand? Okay. So he's active, he's em- he is Shining in your spirit. The light of God is in your spirit. The spirit of God is in your spirit. All of that is on the inside. So when Jesus goes on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's transfigured before them. Who did he take up there? Peter, James, John. On the sixth day. Say the sixth day. So from Adam to Abraham's 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus, 2,000 years. From Christ to us, about 2,000 years. Two, four, six. 6,000 years. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years so it's six days it's on the sixth day it's a prophetic thing he takes the pillars of the church and he sh- and his body is shining emitting light before them so he's saying look in the last days this is what my church this is what my body is going to be like so someone look at someone and say that's you and me all right so the spirit the spirit of man is the lamp of the lord you got that is that clear in you now let's go to matthew chapter six Matthew 6, and verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness. Even physics have proven that there's something called dark light. There's such a thing, dark light. How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold, hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So keep this in your mind. The spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord. Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. In Matthew 6.22, it says the lamp of the body is the eye. So you could, you could reverse that and just say it. The, the eye of man is the lamp of the body. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The eye of man is the lamp of the body. You got it? Say it out loud. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The eye of man is the lamp of the body. Or you could say the lamp of the Lord is the spirit of man. The lamp of the body is the eye of man. So the point is, God's active in your spirit. He's shining. 
He's shining. He's there. Constant. But you've got this thick shell called your body, called your carnal mind. And that blocks, see, your spirit, every spirit is nature. Holy Spirit, he's a spirit, he's nature. Devil, unclean spirits, nature. So what does nature want? It wants to express itself through the body. So lust, the spirit of lust wants to express its nature through your body. A spirit of rejection wants to express itself through your body. It's trying to shine through. The Holy Spirit wants to emanate from you. This is called alignment. Someone say alignment. The spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord. The eye of man is the lamp of the body. Alright, so light in the scripture is symbolic of truth, life, the lamp of the Lord is how God communicates to us. That is our spirit, the lamp of the Lord. Did you hear that? The lamp of the Lord is our spirit, and it's how God communicates with us. But see, he needs to communicate with the world. How, how, how does he do it? He needs the lamp of our body, which is our eye. Or, and, uh, let me say it to you this way. Okay. Okay. Spirit of man, lamp of the Lord. The eye of man, the lamp of the body. So what's in you needs a way out. That's what I'm trying to say. What, what's in you needs a way out. Obviously, it comes first through words. By speaking the word, sowing the word, communicating. Your spirit wants to communicate with this world. It wants to bring life to this world. It wants to minister to the lost. But what happens is, is we get a disconnect between our mind and our spirit. We believe so that that's the only weapon the devil has is shut down the body, shut down the soul. That's all he can do because the spirit wants the spirits out too powerful. So to try to get you to believe wrong things, think wrong things. And then all the light and all the power inside can't come out. So as soon as you believe right, as soon as you think right, all this can be transmitted from you. Are you hearing that? So the same Peter that's, that said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, was the same Peter that said, Lord, you can't go to the cross. That's in Matthew 16. Then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter Satan. Because you're a stumbling block to me. Why? Because you are setting your mind on man's interests. He's saying, Peter, you don't get it. Your eye is full of darkness. That's what he's saying. It's the same thing. The same Peter who had a revelation was confused. See, there's, on, there's, only, there's only two minds. There's three spirit beings, two minds. Mind of Christ, devil's, devil's thoughts. God, devil, you. So three spirit beings, two minds. Meaning you, you think like one or the other. Constantly. Your thoughts are either in line with God or your thoughts are in line with the kingdoms of this world. Right? 
So the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The eye of man is the lamp of the body. Then in Matthew 5, 14, he says, You're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Then in Luke 4, it talks about how he's filled with the Spirit, and then he returns in power. Are you with me? So Peter was emanating the presence of God, and he got the same results that Jesus did. That, listen, that is the baptism of the Spirit. All right, so let's write down some things. How... How do we emanate the presence of God? How do, we, how do we connect this? How do we make this work? Because God's active in our spirit. Our spirit's the lamp of the Lord. But the way Jesus described this process of it coming through your body, he described your eye as being the lamp of your body. In other words, the way all the spiritual stuff and power and good stuff's going to come through is through your eyes. So we obviously know you're not Superman with heat vision. So this is figurative language. Right, so let's let's define it. Let's define define it scripturally. Number one, let me. Well, I'll just say it through good works. This is how you emanate the presence of God through good works, because you've done the work, meaning you've believed. So the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Then in the previous verses, right before that, he says, Don't lay up, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen to what he said. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So what you value that's what, you tr- that's what your heart will be. What you set your mind on. What you set your heart on. So if you're distracted, it won't flow. If your interests are divided, it won't flow. That's the, that's the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. So he says if your eye be pure, if your eye be sound, if your eye be focused. That's what he's saying. He's talking about focus. He's talking about setting your mind on the things above. He's talking about in Romans 12. Offering of your bodies unto God as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. This is our reasonable form of worship. So the first way this happens is we step out and start to do the good works of the Lord. Amen? That's how you, that's how you become focused. Remember, you act yourself into believing rather than believe yourself into acting. You step out by faith. You make that decision and you start to do this stuff. What's happening? You're starting to get focused. So it doesn't, it doesn't just happen, but it's, it's starting to happen. Amen? And then number two, he literally said, if your eye be single. That's what it says in the Greek. Or in the Amplified too. It gives different descriptions. So we'll define it. If your eye is single. That's why it says, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Imitating him. So if you want what is in your spirit to emanate from you, you must be focused. That's why casting your cares on him is important. Not letting worry and fear get in you is important. 
Amen? Talking about how, how the presence of God will emit from us. Amen? He's already active in your spirit, but what's in your spirit needs an outlet. What's in your spirit needs a channel to flow through. Jesus said it's the eye. So we're defining what that means. It means if you're focused. Amen? If your eye have single focus. He said if you don't, what will happen? Your body will be full of darkness. You'll be a blocked channel. Power can't flow through you. So you say, oh, it doesn't work. No, it's not because it doesn't work. It's because you're not focused. You're not, you're in, you're out. You're up, you're down. So then you develop your own doctrines. Well, I'm not right. I need to fast more. And, you know, you fast, you can fast to get focused. But fasting is not to get the power to flow. Fasting never changes God. God is the same. It changes you. It changes me. Amen? So the first way is we start to act. We start to lay hands on the sick. We start meeting the needs in the community. We start showing the love of God to people for one another. Amen? Number two is, is if your eye be single and focused. Hallelujah. Write this down. You must put the mission first. That's what it means to be focused. Most of us try to fit God in. But the mission is first. The mission. If your eye be single and focused, how great the light will be. It's going to emanate from you. It's going to emanate from me. It's going to emanate from the corporate body of Christ. It's going to be amazing. Amen? So you put the mission first. And the mission is always based on the vision. God's vision. What he wants the earth to look like. That's your mission to fulfill that. Amen? What does he want the earth to look like? He wants earth to reflect heaven. Amen? In order to accomplish this, we have to exercise dominion. That's our mission. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Hallelujah. Spiritual warfare it can be summed up basically in this. The devil's job is to get you off the word. That's all he tries to do, get you off the word. I got attacked a couple times since I've been here. I went in my room in, in, yesterday in between one of the breaks and this weird spirit came in, in my room with this weird depression. I said, guess what? You're not staying here. I said that out loud. I said, you're not staying here. Don't even think about it. But see, this is, again, how you've been trained is how you fight. If you don't speak to it, you're just going to take it. But you remember the illustration? When you aggressively go after that, you've got to turn the tables on him. And the longer you're passive, the harder it is to get it off you. I wonder how long the devil talked to Eve before she answered. You know, he was around. We don't know how long. But so something happens when you're passive. Are you hearing that? That's so why we're not called to be a bunch of wimps. Just nice, la-di-da, you know, kumbaya, my Lord, you know. Come on, we have to be aggressive, amen? Hallelujah. And then, and then a fever tried to hit me. I mean, I literally felt it come over me. 
starts hot, sweating, all kinds of stuff. I said, get off me now. I don't even think about it. And it left. And it's a presence. It's not always a presence, but you've got to talk to it like it is. Talk to your body. Speak to your body. We were talking at lunch how they've done experiments with water. Freezing water. Have you heard about this? It's amazing how they speak to it. One, one, they say bad things to the water or play music with foul lyrics. And when they freeze it, all the freezing of the ice is jagged and, and all kinds of, you know, random things happen. And then the other water, they speak to it. They bless it. You're blessed in Jesus. And these are Christian scientists. And the water forms perfectly well and there's no cracks. I mean, science is proving the Bible. Words. How can that affect water? Because... By the Word, everything was created. Through the Word, everything came into being. That's why, listen, your body will respond to your voice the best. Your own body responds to your own voice. Speak to that thing. Speak to your body. Tell your body what to do. Speak to your soul. Why so downcast, O my soul? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah. So you have to learn to speak to it. Amen? All right. So if your eye is single in focus, a number three, we find if your eye be pure. If your eye is pure. How do, how do you get it? How does that work? Okay, Philippians. Chapter 4. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. You know, it's not a nice saying. It's a command. Do you realize that? It's a command. It's not like this is the end of the letter. It's something nice Paul had to say. It's a command. It's inspired by the Spirit. That your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. In the worst translation it says, Stop worrying about even one thing. Worry is a sin. Anxiety is sin. You have no right to worry. You have no right to fear. It's a sin. It's not of God. You have to consciously resist that and deal with it. We've all have felt afraid. We all have felt anxiety try to come. That thing try to come on me. I said, I'm not receiving this. You're not coming on me. I do not receive this depression. I don't receive this fever or whatever it is. Get off me now. You know, the devil will not, he won't mess with you because you become, you be, you're too wiggly. Every time he comes out, he just, you're off. He'll go, he'll go deal with some passive Christian. Go jump all over them because you're too much of a fight. Isn't that what lions do when they, when they go, they, they hunt or different animals? They pick the weak one in the pack to jump on. The sick one, the weak one, the vulnerable one. Amen? So we're not, we don't want to be vulnerable. We want to be strong. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. In what? In everything. By prayer. Supplication. 
So, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, an unspoken request is an unanswered request. He said, let your requests be made known to God. Does God not know? Of course He knows, but He told you to make it known. So you see how the devil's constantly trying to shut our mouths. Get us off the word. Make us passive. Don't deal with it. Just accept it. Just, you know, oh, it's just part of life. Oh, everybody goes through that. No, it's no, it's not. You're not supposed to go through that. Amen? Sometimes we go through battles, but we, we're supposed to come out. Amen? So this is how to cause your eye to be pure. If your eye is pure, how, how do you keep it pure? Stop worrying. Because when you worry, it breaks your focus. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So constant thanksgiving does something, isn't it? That your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or comprehension, shall guard your hearts. It actually says it will mount guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you don't have peace, it's because you let your guard down. You gave in to worry. You gave in to fear. So what do you have to do? You have to cast those cares on the Lord. You've got to be doers of the word. Laying hands on the sick is not the only command in the word. This is also commands in the word. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What happens if you just hear? Then you deceive yourself. Be anxious for nothing. That's a command. Are you hearing that? In everything, by prayer, by supplication. Why? Because you, ha- you have not, because you ask not. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Set your mind on the things above. Because the lamp of the Lord is your spirit, but the lamp of the body is the eye. So even though God's moving on the inside of you, it can't get out because your eye is not focused. Your eye is not pure. He wants, he wants to flow through you. But what do you have to do? You have to do this stuff right here. And then look at, in verse 9. This is the conclusion of the matter. The things which you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Just do it. Practice it. Do it. And the God of peace shall be with you. Do you believe that? Oh, Hallelujah. Second Peter. I mean first Peter. Sorry, first Peter. Verse 22, chapter 1, 22. 1 Peter 1. Verse 22. Since you have, you have an obedience 
to the truth, purified your souls. Did you hear that? Soul, mind, will, emotions. Why do people have all those internal problems? They're not obeying. When you obey, it purifies your soul. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your soul. You know, God doesn't expect you to obey anything that's not the truth. I'm not loyal to anything I learned if it's wrong. If it's not the word, because we're all, we're all growing in revelation, we're all growing in truth. So I don't have to obey something that was not true. You have to obey the word of God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. So that's how you keep your eye pure. You believe that? Because when your mind is not on yourself, see, that's the only remedy for selfishness is loving God. Isn't it true? So we're trying to change people's behavior. The problem is they just don't love God. Many people. We're trying to make them do the right thing. It's <laughs> That's how a pastor thinks, behavioral. Apostles think, what do you believe? That's, that's where apostolic people. I'm not like, I shouldn't say pastor. I should say a religious way of thinking. Because we're all in the body together. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5, you younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God's opposed to the proud. It actually says he's in battle, he sets himself in battle array against the proud. What a thought but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you at the proper time. So does God want to exalt you? Talk to him. Does he want to exalt you? He absolutely wants to exalt you. That's what the Word says, that he may exalt you. Casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. King James says, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The Amplified says... Casting all your cares on him because he cares for you watchfully. He cares for you affectionately. God doesn't want you just to be a bottled up with pressure. You got to do. I got to heal the sick now. I got to. I got to. And you're going to go crazy. This is a position of rest. This is we got the spirit of God in us. We're the answer to this world. You release the spirit. You minister to people. And you trust the Lord to do it. Father, I trust you with the result. I'm being obedient to your word. You've got the helper on your side. Amen? So, so far, if your eye be single in focus, if your eye is pure, number four, if your eye is sound. If your eye is sound. That's found in 2 Timothy. Okay, that's why his eyes are a flame of fire. Revelation, right? When you look at Jesus, his eyes are like a flame of fire. He was totally focused. 
The fire of God, the holiness of God is in him. Our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. We've, we've quoted this verse. For God's not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But you can't have a sound mind without sound doctrine. So how are you going to have a sound mind without sound doctrine? It's not possible. That's why all apostolic doctrine must be sound. It must be biblical. Amen? So you got it so far? Through good works, by your eye being single and focused, by your eye being pure, your eye being sound. This is all figurative language to describe the kind of life we live. And as we do that, God's spirit that's active in our spirit will emanate from us more and more. Amen? Number five is found in Second Timothy 1 and in verse 6. And for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It literally says by blazing afresh. So that's number five. Blazing afresh or stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. Hallelujah. Let's go to Judges chapter 16. Samson and Delilah. What a knucklehead. But he redeemed himself, didn't he? He got into the, the Hall of Fame in faith. So there's hope for us. Amen. I think there's only two women mentioned in that chapter, isn't it? In Hebrews 11. Right? Who is it? Rahab and Sarah. Two extremes princess, mother of all nations, and a harlot. Every woman can fit in between there. Every category. You can be on one extreme, be the mother of many nations, on the other extreme, like Mary Magdalene or Rahab the harlot, and you can still get into there by faith. Amen? So we are in. Are you in? Hallelujah. Judges 16. God is so good, man. Okay, verse 15. So she's been working on him for a while, right? I love you, baby. What's your secret? Of course, she wasn't the first woman he had a problem with, was it? Mm Mm-hmm. He was seeing the harlots before. Verse 15. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you? Oh, that controlling spirit, isn't it something else? A guilt trip. 
How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've deceived me these three times. Don't you love it? You've deceived me these three times. And have not told me where your great strength is. And it came about when she pressed him daily with her words. And urged him. That means she nagged him. Look, listen to what it says. That his soul was annoyed to death. That's why when Joseph was tempted, Potiphar's wife said, come lay with me, sleep with me. He ran. He didn't pray. He said, oh, Lord. He ran. You know? Flee fornication. That's what it says. That's not the time to resist the devil. You, You resist by running. You resist by getting out. So this guy, oh, Lord. Verse 17. So he told her all that was in his heart. And said to her, A razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come come up once more. So remember, they've already come several times. And he defeats them every time. Right? So she says, Come up once more, for he's told me all that's in his heart. Meaning he's told me the real secret. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Verse 19, she made him sleep on her knees. <laughs> and this guy is not the sharpest tool in the shed. I mean, you've deceived me these three times, baby. Don't you love me? Why are you lying to me? And then, and then not only does he tell her and give her the, the gun to shoot him, he goes to sleep on her. How do, you, how do you do that? But it's in the Bible. It's true. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He woke up from his sleep. Oh, well, look at verse 19. I like that. He, she made him sleep on her knees and called for a man. For a man. Where did he come from? <laughs> he's, like, he's like behind the curtain waiting, you know? He's like, come out. Hello. He's got his scissors and his razor. And he, so she didn't, she didn't even do it. It's some other guy doing it. Samson's knocked out on honor, you know. It's crazy. The Philistines are, are oh, verse 19. She called for a man, had him shave off the seven locks of, of his hair. Then she began to afflict him. Meaning, tied him up. His strength left him. That's what I want you to see. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said... I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. New Testament language, stir up the gift. Old Testament language, shake myself free. But what does it say? He did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He never said you feel power. He said you receive power. So this verse tells us that everything Samson ever did by the Spirit of the Lord coming on him and doing all these mighty acts, he never felt any anointing, as we would put it. Sometimes we we sense it. Sometimes we don't. But just because you don't feel it doesn't mean he's not with you. He's given you power. I said he's given you power. What's your job? Stir it up. Whether you feel it or not, is not, is not, does not matter. I, be, I mean, I believe we should know 
God's presence, and we should sense him. We should be able to tell what the water level is. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm saying there are times when you're in a situation and you're going through something and you can't feel anything. So then what do you do? Does that mean God's not with you? Of course not. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Right? So he shook himself as at other times, and he didn't know God left him. That means when God was with him, it must not have been because he was feeling it. It was because he was seeing results. Isn't that something to think about? So that's number five. Stir up the gift. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit in you. That's the Spirit of God in you. That's why I said in the Scripture, laying on of hands was to heal, it was to ordain, and it was to put the Spirit of God in people. So they received the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands through the apostles. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, look, I know what I put in you, it's called God. Did you hear that? He said, Timothy, I know what's in you because I'm the one... You received it through. Holy Spirit's in you. God is in you. Stir him up in you. Just like in the boat. Wake up Jesus in the boat. They stirred him up and then he dealt with the storm. It's the same thing. Amen? We're almost done. Number six. Now this is a big thing. By being fully engaged. Learn to be fully engaged. Setting your mind on the things above. Sometimes when when you're when you're trying to get a victory in something, your lifestyle and emotional state while you're ministering come into play. It shouldn't, but it does. Right? Because remember, power doesn't fluctuate, but we fluctuate. So how you think, how you walk, how, you know, all, all this stuff, it's about, basically, it's how dead you are and having faith in the name of Jesus. Amen? So that's why sin is, sin opens a door for the enemy to work in your mind. It can't stop healing from happening, but it stops you because it robs you of your confidence with God. So that's why sin is our enemy. We should never, we should never allow sin in our lives. Not, not only does it displease God, but it robs us from having confidence before God and that we can't get things done for God. So, of course, we should not be practicing sin. He that's born of God doesn't practice sin. Amen? Hallelujah. So, sin conscious versus God conscious. So, how engaged you are. Amen? It has to do with your ability to separate soul and spirit with the Word of God. Your emotions can be doing one thing, but they must subject to your spirit. They must be subject to the Word of God. Amen? Praise God. So if your eye be pure, if your eye be sound, if it's single, amen, God's presence is going to emanate from us more and more and more. Amen? Finally, number seven is not being entangled in the affairs of this life. We all have bills to pay. There's all natural things we have to do. Well, that's found in Timothy, isn't it? Second Timothy 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things which you've heard 
from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrusted faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So there's hardship involved sometimes, isn't it? No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive the share of crops. Amen? So he talks about competing towards the rules. 1 Corinthians, I think it's 9. Verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. You hear that? I do all things for the sake of the gospel. That's a focused man. His eyes single, his eyes pure, his eyes sound. That I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know, I'm in 1 Corinthians 9.24. Don't you know I'm there? Do you not know that those who run in the race all run? but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. I mean, most people are not even sure that God wants them to win. God wants you to win. There's no, there's no general that ever brought glory to his king and saying, King, I'm going to go out with the army and lose the battle. And the king says, I'm so proud of you, general. We would never think that. But we think God is that way. I don't know. It's, it's just not God. Amen? Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way, not as without aim. I box in such a way, not as beating the air. I buffet my body and make it my slave. Lest possibly, after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified or become a castaway. Let me leave you with this thought and we'll take a break or till tonight. What Paul was saying was that after all the stuff he's done, he could become disqualified. Isn't that what he said? But most of the time we think the opposite. We think that we're disqualified and therefore we can't do anything. Paul said, I've accomplished all this and will be disqualified. That's why, again, see, see the heart of God to reach people, to minister to people. It's the same thing in Matthew 7.21. They did all that stuff without knowing God. God still flowed. He still got things done, but he had no relationship with them. So Paul is saying, look, I don't want God to put me on a shelf and not use me anymore after he's already used me. But what do we tell people in our church? God won't use you until you're perfect. You, you, you know, you have to be perfect. You have to be this. You have to do that. Blah, 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 blah. And so we've got to remove all that. But that doesn't give us a license. That doesn't give people a license to just do what they want to do. We, no. But what we're doing is we're taking limits off people. We're equipping them. And we should honor our leaders enough to appreciate that kind of freedom. Because you know what? Until you lead, you don't know how hard it is. You talk to any one of these pastors, I mean, you know. The hardest thing about ministry is people. Right? I mean, God's not a problem. Devil's not a problem. God's for us. Devil's defeated. It's people. That's why pastors commit suicide. 
That's real. You know, that's why they drop out of ministry all the time. You know, you're trying to help people. They bite your hands. I mean, how long can you put up with that? You're trying to do a good thing. I mean, none of us know everything. Right? There's things I've, I've known now I didn't know last year. I didn't know five years ago. So, if are people going to, should they leave me because I didn't know something? Do you think that's fair? That's not fair. Come on, you're not talking to me anymore. Come on now. We want to operate in the power, right? But your eyes got to be single. The lamp, the spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord. The eye of man, how you see things, your perspective, how focused you are, determines how much light in your spirit emanates from your body. Amen? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you're going to give us understanding and speak further to us along this line. And we just pray for tonight's meeting. We pray, Lord, that you have your way and that you'll just continue to equip us so that you, we can be useful in your hands. Lord, I just thank you right now. That is what, why we're here. We want to be useful to your kingdom. You know, I just sense in my heart the Lord has given us this challenge before we leave. This is the final thought. You know, the culture of the world is to gain more comfort. Get more money, more comfort. I have to always hit this, you know, us from America, they have what's called the American dream. And that is to make more money, be successful, because the more money you have, the more land you have, you're away from people, you just live more and more of a comfortable life. That's the culture of the world. But the culture of the kingdom is we live because we want to be more and more and more useful to the king, effective for the king. So let's make that our hearts, our hearts cry to the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. So let, let, let's, let's just stand and just ask the Lord for that. Lord, that's what we desire right now. We just make that choice right now. Father, we want to be useful to your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. Come on, let's just transact with the Lord for a moment. Speak to him and just pour out your heart before him. His ears are open to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to minister to you. Oh, thank you, Lord. You want to use us. We want to be useful for you. Help our eye to be single. Help our eye to be pure. Help our eye to be sound, I pray. Oh, in Jesus' name, show us. Show us any areas that are causing us anxiety. We cast our cares on you. I just sense that God is taking weights off of some of you right now just as you release it to him. Just give it to God. Say, Lord, I'm putting this problem in your hands. I'm putting this situation in your hands. I'm not going to worry anymore. I repent of the sin of worry. It's yours. I lay it at your feet, Jesus. Come on, put that on the altar. Put that on the altar this afternoon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.